guys, Bill here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We're going to be talking with Shield Kapadia of The Athletic. We're going to be picking our playoff teams, all 14, seven in each conference. We agree and disagree in some places. A very interesting show to come. But first, before we get into today's episode, a couple things. First, I wanted to remind everyone to make sure you're staying up to date on all your fantasy football news with ESPN fantasy experts Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp on the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. You'll get daily strategy, previews, and injury reports to ensure you have all the information you'll need for your fantasy football team. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Focus Football and the Bill Barton Wall Show if you are not subscribed already on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, here's the show. All right, as promised, joining me on the show, longtime contributor, an excellent writer and podcaster in his own right for the athletic it's my friend shield kapadia shield how are you uh, i'm doing well you know you sent me the idea for this podcast which i'm sure you'll explain here but i generally thrive on like procrastination and indecision and uh you've got me uh sort of like twisted in knots here uh preparing for this but it'll be fun it'll it'll help me in the next few weeks uh sort of be committed to some of these takes early that's exactly what it is for me too i feel like I have to pick something. So now I'm stuck with it. I can't change it at this point. I will. Like, you know, some backup title will get a minor injury and I'll be like, oh, we got to throw the rankings all into order. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you, know, uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a, uh, you know, Kyle Rudolph uh, has the flu. And so we have to, the whole rankings got to go back in order. Um, what we're doing today on this podcast, my friend Shokapati and I have gone through the AFC and the NFC we have ranked the possible playoff teams. We are going through, we're going to go seed by seed. We decided just before the call, we are going to go through our picks for the 14, remember not 12, 14 playoff teams in the NFL. And this was inspired by your column at The Athletic writing about the teams who are most likely to make it back to the postseason. Yeah, yep. I did. Uh, I, I did. The, I did the two versions actually. I did the one that was uh, teams that missed out last year that are most likely to get back in. On average, there are 60 playoff teams uh, every year, so you know you are going to see turnover. Even though uh, it's funny when you do an exercise like this. I don't know about you, but I just found myself like kind of going chalk and you know a lot of the teams from last year and then I'm like wait a minute you know that's not going to happen the math history has told you this isn't going to happen uh let's take some swings here so I definitely tried to do that and then of course there will be teams that made it last year who everyone uh right now it feels like they're locks to get back in but they won't get back in and so uh, I think this is a good exercise to sort of try to figure out at least who some of those teams might be how many uh how many new playoff teams do you have in your 
list. Are you willing to reveal that spoiler before we get started? I am because I counted them uh, beforehand to make sure I wasn't <laughs> just going with the same teams from last year. So I have five. I have five new playoff teams uh, that didn't get in last year. How about you? I am counting now because that would have been a good idea. I thought about it before the show, <laughs> but unfortunately I did not. Uh, one, two, three, four. I believe I have six. So right, right on the average. Although I think with the new seventh team, there might be a possibility for more uh, in the way of possible new teams. So I, this is going to be a pretty interesting playoff season. We don't know what's going to happen in the season. Obviously, everything is up in the air. But um, let's see if we can at least upset some people as we approach the season to come. So, Sheil, you are the guest. Do you want to start AFC, NFC? Do you have a preference? Um, so let me see. I'm trying to think of which is more interesting and save that for last. I, I sort of feel like the – yeah, I feel like the AFC it might be a little more interesting. Uh, so why don't we start with the NFC? Okay, let's start NFC. And, Sheila, you go first. Who is your number one seed for the okay, NFC? So- yeah, you know, so when I was like on the fence, if I didn't feel really strongly, I said, let's take some big swings. Let's, let's, you know, your listeners have listened to a lot of football podcasts the entire offseason. Uh, they don't want to hear the same takes over and over again. So I don't know if this is a big swing or a controversial take, but I went with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, no. As my... <laughs> Did you... <laughs> We're... We think too much alike. This Can is the I problem every time we do the podcast. Can I tell you who I pick <laughs> as the number one seed in the NFC? It's the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Well, I, I think we're going to please the audience because if you hate the Cowboys, you're thinking they're getting too much hype. This is going to curse them. They're not even going to make the playoffs. And if you root for the Cowboys, uh, then you're going to be happy that you're getting, uh, you're getting some pub here uh, on the pod. So I had it down to a few teams, uh, but I, I thought, like I said, let's, uh, let's kind of go what might be unconventional, which turned out it wasn't really. But, uh, you know, I just look at it. And when you look at continuity on offense, it's probably my number one. Um, sort of determining factor with a lot of these teams. And I just feel like they're so set up to succeed with the quarterback, Dak Prescott, the offensive line, the run game, they know what they're doing. And then the passing game, uh, you know, certainly should be efficient adding CeeDee Lamb to Michael Gallup, who uh, is one of the most underrated receivers in the league and Amari Cooper coming back. Uh, They lose Jason Witten, but Blake Jarwin certainly could be an upgrade from him at tight end. And so, uh, you know, my concern with this, which, you know, I, I, we should certainly talk about with some of these top seeds. So the things that I was uh, a little concerned with was, number one, their defense, which I'm sure we can talk about a little bit more. And number two, uh, I don't have, I don't know about you, I don't have a great handle on Mike McCarthy. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like we look at this and we say he's got to be an upgrade from Jason Garrett. And I think that's probably true, you know, just if he's more aggressive on fourth downs just if he uh you know you know makes some better sort of in-game decisions then he will be an upgrade but at the same time like when he was fired by the Packers a couple of years ago I don't remember feeling like he you know that the Packers were in the wrong I almost I, I remember feeling the opposite like wow that kind of took a little bit longer than it should have and he wasn't maximizing their talent so they're not a perfect team they have some holes but I feel like uh, mostly from an offensive perspective if I'm looking at which of these teams have a great chance to be like among the top five most efficient offenses in the league or in the conference, I guess I should say here. Mm-hmm. I feel like Dallas fits into that category. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I <laughs> at length agree with what everything you said. Now, let me ask you, in terms of the dynamic between Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, of course, Mike McCarthy has come out uh, this week and said Kellen Moore is going to call plays. It's what's best for the team. 
do you have faith that is going to be the case throughout the entire season? Or do you think if there is some adversity or, or a slow point during the year that that's going to change? Well, I think I've been making the joke that Kellen Moore might like unplug Mike McCarthy's headset <laughs> during games or might call like secret practices uh, during the week with the rest of the offense. And then, you know, McCarthy shows up as it's ending and they say that there must've been just some confusion with the, uh, with the email or something. But uh I, I can't say I have 100% faith. I mean, you know how football coaches are. Uh, you know, these guys are very confident. They've gotten to where they are for a reason, especially play callers. I mean, I feel like that's a thing that once you start calling plays, like regardless of the results, that's what some of these guys love more than anything else about the job is that like rush during a game where they're just, you know, they spent all week game planning and they feel like they have the perfect formula on how to attack a defense. So, uh, I think that's a great point. I mean, yeah, things don't go well the first month of the season, the first six weeks of the season. Uh, he's certainly going to get asked those questions about, you know, have you thought about taking over the play calling, that kind of thing. And, you know, it, it's only one year of evidence with Kellen Moore, but certainly, you know, the results were what they were, and they were very positive. I mean, I, I don't think you can look at it any other way at that offense last year and say anything other than he maximized the talent there, played to his player strength but uh, I think you're right that that certainly is a valid concern when we look at the whole season yeah I mean the Cowboys last year second in offensive DVOA also as you were responding I recounted and I have seven uh non-playoff teams is what I realized I forgot that the Cowboys did not make the playoffs a year ago so I have four in the NFC and three in the AFC and I will say as we get to the number two team in the NFC. If we have the same team here, we're in trouble. We might have to scrap the podcast idea because it's just <laughs> repeating each other. I will say my number two team in the NFC did not make the playoffs a year ago. Oh God. What what is your what is your second seed here in the NFC? No, you go, you go. I got as the second seed in the NFC, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, see, this is what I get for trying to think a little bit differently, for reading you for many years, to listening to your podcast. The influence oh, no. just seeped, uh, seeped into my head. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry I, just, I had to interrupt, but go ahead with your uh, explanation. That is my uh, number two seed as well. Oh, this is beautiful. This is, this is just beautiful <laughs> podcasting here. The Buccaneers, of course, a team that much underrated a year ago. Uh, 8.2 expected wins, so not a great football team, but certainly a better football team than their 7-9 and nine record. A team that was very good on defense, only fifth in defensive DVOA a year ago, which was masked by the fact that their quarterback forced them into the league's most possessions, some of the worst field position in football, and through uh, six, seven pick sixes. I'm, I'm looking, yeah, seven pick sixes, which don't help your numbers if you're the defense. So a very good defense. That's added Tom Brady, who... I think it's not the Tom Brady of old, but it's somewhere between that and the guy who was playing with very little on offense last year. And then you had Rob Gronkowski, who was a very underrated, or not underrated. He is actually, I think Rob Gronkowski is underrated in a strange way. He is incredible uh, at side ends. A deep team, a team that I think has the likelihood of being really good, except for the fact that they're the Bucks. So still, I mean, if the Bucks do struggle, what do you think is most likely to be the cause? Is it going to be Tom Brady? Is it going to be the defense taking a step backwards? Or will it just be the, the evil pirate ship that haunts the Buccaneers and causes them to make <laughs> awful mistakes every single year? 
I am tempted to go with that last option there, but I, I didn't do the, uh, the proper research on that. So uh, I think that it would be their secondary. You know, I think you look at it. I agree with you. Their defense was good last year. And, uh, you know, they return 84% of their defensive snaps from last year, which is the highest in the NFL. So if you're looking at, you know, I know defenses tend to kind of, um, it's not sticky year over year. You have a defense that could be really good last year. That's not going to be really good this year. But if you're kind of counting on having the same people uh, in place and continuity in a shortened off season and all those things, then I think you have to be bullish about their defense. I, I love their front seven. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul, I thought was a, a great option to resign. Obviously Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea was very good last year. Uh, the linebackers, Devin White, and Levante David uh, and Dominican Sue is not, you know, necessarily an impact player anymore, but man, if he's your fourth best defensive lineman, uh, that's good. But what they did with the secondary was they said, let's just count on these young players improving. I, I think all their starting corners are 23 or younger. And, you know, I think they know the scheme well with Todd Bowles from last year. That's, that's why I did have them in this number two spot. But if you look at it, how it's going to go sideways, I would say their secondary maybe gets exposed a little bit. Uh, that pass rush, maybe those guys I mentioned, they, you know, like a, a Jason Pierre Paul's over 30, Sue is over 30. Maybe those guys decline a little bit. And then Tom Brady, it's just sort of unprecedented territory. You know, not sort of, it is unprecedented territory. I mean, no quarterback his age has started 16 games in the NFL. So like just to complete a season, he would be an outlier. And so what we're counting on with them getting the number two seed is that he not only is he going to stay healthy, but that he's going to be able to play well and be productive. Uh, so, I mean, the reason I feel good about it is I just really like the weapons. I love Godwin. I love Evans, you know, maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. And so I do think he's in position to succeed with those guys and with the coaching staff. And so, um, you know, I had kind of a toss up between them and uh, another team in the playoffs. And I thought, the Buccaneers would be sort of the spicier one, but uh, you you obviously had the same feeling, and so um, that's why we both have them there. Equally spicy. Okay, I I, I signed it for the second seed. If we have the same pick for the third seed, we may have to abandon ship. <laughs> Shield, who is your pick for the number three seed in the NFC? Uh, this one is is not spicy. I don't think I've got the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, we do not have We're the different? same pick for the third. Okay. Pick in the NFC. So why do you with the Niners at third? Well, uh, I looked at it and, you know, I was trying to figure out the losers of the Super Bowl. Do they, you know, what is their decline kind of the next, the next year. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it the last 10 years, uh, nine of the Super Bowl losers have had a winning record the following year. And so there's usually not this like, you know, monumental decline where the team just sort of falls off the map and doesn't even make the postseason. Is it hard to get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, absolutely after you lose it, but you're still a pretty good team. And so uh, I feel like their offensive line could be better than last year with Trent Williams there at, uh, at left tackle. I yeah. uh, certainly have some concerns about wide receiver with the Debo Samuel injury and losing Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm kind of just putting my faith in Kyle Shanahan to figure that out. And then mm -hmm. defensively, obviously losing to Forrest Buckner is a huge blow. But what I like about this defense is that last year, their depth really got tested. I mean, they were – 26 in uh you know adjusted games lost mm -hmm. on defense last year and so they really had to deal with injuries and get some players in there who maybe they didn't have big plans to to play last year and those guys still uh, did a good job i thought they tweaked their scheme they got away from just playing like 
you know, a high percentage of cover three, mm-hmm. and they moved to some some quarters and some other different looks uh, on defense. And so I feel like they've got good continuity. I don't know that the defense, you know, I wouldn't think the defense would be as good as last year, but I still think they're good enough to be a, you know, 10-11 win team, win the NFC West, and be the number three seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the makes total sense. Uh, obviously, I would say there are some guys in this team where there's bigger injury risks perhaps than normal in, in key positions. I mean, then you look at someone like uh, the safety tent, Whiskey Tart and Jimmy Ward. I mean, those are two guys who have struggled to stay healthy year after year. So uh, it's not exactly a science when it comes to predicting injuries, but I, I would be concerned. I think that there are some guys who, even though you might expect the injuries to regress, they may not regress. I mean, you might just have guys who are fantastic when they're healthy, but don't necessarily uh, play all 16 games. And they might be, I think if they're healthy, they're going to be a very, very good defense. But I mean, the wide receiver injuries are stacking up. And I think losing Weston Richburg probably for the first six weeks of the year is a concern. I think the big question is just Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, was very good last year, but we don't know if he's going to be healthy for all 16 games. And, and that did sink their season, I think, to some extent in 2018. So um, I do not have them as a third seed because to me, if I'm projecting Garoppolo, I'm projecting 13, 14 games, and that could be the difference in this division. And the team I have as the third seed, thankfully, not the same team as you, is a rival of the San Francisco 49ers in this division. It's the Los Angeles Rams. A, a team that I think we sort of, we sort of projected, you know, doom and gloom. They're going to, they were after the Super Bowl. They're taking a step backwards. It was a messy season. I mean, obviously, Sean McVay didn't seem like a genius anymore after teams had sort of figured out how to overload and attack their outside zone scheme. Uh, Jared Goff took a step backwards. Todd Gurley was a mess. All offseason, they've been making moves to sort of, you know, unwrite the decisions they've made in the past. This is still a team that went 9-7 and seven last year. I mean, it wasn't like this was a bad football team by any means. And I, I have questions about their upside and, and ceiling, given that uh, their offensive line is a question mark, and given that they are really a, a stars and scrubs team at this point. But I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be just fine, and I think that – if the Niners take a step backwards, if the Seahawks take a step backwards, which I've written about as something that I think is likely to happen, I think the Rams could be the team in position to maybe take a step backwards, take a step forward and, and get back to where they were. And maybe, you know, 10 and six or maybe even 11 and five, that might be enough to win this division. This is good. This is like, what, what is the baseball saying? The season doesn't start until after Memorial Day or yes. whatever it is uh, in a normal year. It's like the podcast didn't start until right now. I think. <laughs> so we can, uh, I don't know, maybe we, should, we, we edit those first, uh, first couple teams where we agreed because this is good. I mean, you make valid points on the Niners. Uh, I feel like uh, we're on opposite sides of this Rams thing, which should make for, um, you know, sort of an interesting discussion because I feel like you are right. I looked at it and I thought, well, whoa, they were nine and seven last year. Like they would have gotten in the playoffs if they were, uh, there were a seventh team. And so that did surprise me because it sort of felt like they were, you know, an irrelevant, irrelevant team that, uh, you know, that, that wasn't really competing towards the end of the season. So my take against the Rams, uh, you know, granted everything you said just said has validity, but I look at it offensively and I don't really see where their fixes came from. You know, they have questions on the offensive line. They're kind of just expecting to get healthier. Maybe they will 
in a couple spots, but, you know, Andrew Whitworth is, what, 37, 38 years old, so you might not get uh, 16 games from him. And so if you didn't really fix your offensive line, you got rid of Todd Gurley, I I think that's fine, but, you know, you're banking on some unknowns there with Cam Akers, maybe the rookie coming in and being your lead back. Could he be better than Gurley was last year? Yes, but uh, I'm not convinced of it. And Jared Goff, you know, I, I think he's sort of in this class of quarterback where, um, it's, it's not, you know, necessarily a knock, but you certainly need the piece things around him have to be in a really good spot for him to look like he did two years ago. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of negative plays last year. I'm not convinced that those are going to kind of come back. And then I would say my questions on defense might be even more significant. I mean, I don't know uh, what the story is with Wade Phillips, why he doesn't have a job, but I've always felt like he's been one of the best defensive coordinators of like the last 20 years. And so you're going away from Wade Phillips in a defense that was ninth in DVOA last year. You're bringing in a first-time defensive coordinator in Brandon Staley. You lose some really key pieces who played like five, six hundred snaps last year. I mean, Corey Littleton, uh, Dante Fowler, Clay Matthews. These guys played a lot last year on what was a top-ten defense, and I don't see areas where they upgraded, um, you know, those positions after losing those guys. So. Uh, you know, if you're picking any defense that you can have like two players to build a foundation around, uh, probably the Rams would finish first with Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But I have my questions uh, around the rest of that unit. And I feel like just sort of all around, uh, I felt like I had more questions with them than I felt good about sort of their potential. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, obviously, I think they have to stay healthy. You know, if they don't get a great season out of Aaron Donald and a great season out of Jalen Ramsey and, and sort of the the core guys on offense, they're not going to have any chance of, of competing. Absolutely, that's that's the case. And I think that, um, you know, this is a team that at the end of the day, like, they're going to go as far as those stars are going to take them. I mean, they need someone like a Leonard Floyd to step up and be their Dante Fowler from a year ago. They're going to need Michael Brockers to play well. They're going to need, you know, Tyler Higby to look like the guy he was at the end of the season where he was a, you know, a, a really, really impressive receiving piece for them and they're going to need someone like Rob Havenstein to bounce back I mean that was a guy who you know even if you figure okay what's going to decline and I I think that's absolutely fair I think he has taken a step backwards but Havenstein was a guy who was very good in 2017 and 2018 and suddenly was a mess last year was barely playable last season so I think you have a bunch of guys in the interior who are younger you have to hope that they get better and I mean this is a high variance team I think it's absolutely fair to say I mean you don't change all your coordinators you don't change you know, a lot of your major personnel and, and have to hope that, uh, you know, things are going to get better. But I think that the, the variance of this team could swing uh, in a positive direction. I think there's some things to like about this team, but I'm happy we disagree. I'm happy that we have a spot here where we don't think in the same way. So I know by, by sheer deduction, Jill, that we've covered the champions of the NFC East, the NFC South, and the NFC West, which means the fourth seed for you is going to be the winner of the NFC North. And I know that in talking to you before this podcast, you were not looking forward to picking an NFC North champion. Yeah, I, I will give my pick here, but maybe in writing, uh, I don't know if you have the same decision I do, but we should just pick different teams in writing. That way we guarantee, you know, we increase the odds that one of us uh, looks like a genius with the way the <laughs> season plays out. We, we definitely should not pick the same team when we go fully on the record. So uh, yeah, this was a tough one. This, this is a division where I think if you want to take a big swing on, Uh, you know, what would typically be the third or fourth team and say they're going to be a surprise team and win the division, you can do that. Uh, I did not do that. I went with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, 
you know, uh, th this was a really, th this was really the most difficult decision, I think, for either uh, conference, because there are mm -hmm. so many reasons why uh, they should regress and not be a playoff team, or certainly not be the NFC North champ this year. I mean, they had the best injury luck in the NFL last year. They trade away Stephon Diggs. They get rid of, they make over their entire secondary. They lose Everson Griffin. They lose Linval Joseph. And so there are like a lot of reasons to be concerned. But I just compared them to the other NFC North teams. And I said, Gary Kubiak and Mike Zimmer, like if I'm going to put faith in an offensive coach and a defensive coach to sort of figure this out, uh, I think that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good tandem to have faith in. So uh, one thing I looked at with the Vikings was that, you know, their corner play, was so was really bad last yeah. year, like so bad that even though they're bringing in new guys and uh, Jeff Gladney, the rookie, and you know Mike Hughes has played before, but obviously now has an increased role, and uh, Holton Hill or Cam Dantzler or whoever's going to be the third cornerback. Like even though those are new names who are not used to being in the Vikings secondary, there is a chance that they could be better than what the Vikings got from that position last year and again if you know if there's a coach to get that out of them to get that out of young cornerbacks and uh let them know the system you know it's a zone heavy scheme they're going to play a lot of two deep safeties it's not like those guys are necessarily going to be on an island uh all game long so uh i'm putting my faith in zimmer i'm putting my faith in kubiak to be able to figure things out on uh, offense maybe without some uh, firepower and digs and uh, and i'm having the vikings going back to the uh, postseason as the nfc north champs I very, very, very nearly joined you in choosing the Vikings as the NFC North champions. I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, my concern, I think, is just, you know, in a typical offseason, I would have more faith in Mike Zimmer to develop a lot of the young players on this roster. But so many guys in this defense are moving into starting roles. Uh, so many guys are, are, are going to have to take more snaps than they did a year ago or play for the first time in the NFL. Uh, you know, and, and I just... Even if they are better, you know, I, I, I do think that there's a chance that Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney and Holton Hill are better corners than, you know, uh, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes. But I don't think the pass rush is going to be as good as it was a year ago. I don't think they're going to be as healthy as they were a year ago. I think the injury point you brought up is very solid. And, you know, I, I just don't know if they're going to be as efficient throwing the football. I mean, this was an incredible play action passing game a year ago. And Kirk Cousins posted some of the best numbers of his career. And I think, that outcome is not, you know, certainly you can't rule that out in terms of the range of outcomes for Kirk Cousins in, in 2020, but I, I just don't know that he's going to be as good as he was a year ago. It's, I think it's more likely he takes a step backwards than improves, and if that's the case, then suddenly, you know, the running game is good, but even with Dalvin Cook, um, this is a guy who was honestly pretty mediocre during the second half of the season. The running game really did slow down, and part of that was injuries, and, and I don't think, you know, yards per carry are a perfect stat by any means, but you know, a guy who in the second half of the year was averaging under four yards a carry every single game extending into the postseason. This running game did slow down a fair amount. So I think this could be a situation where the offense takes a step backwards and the defense does not improve as much as maybe it would in a typical offseason. To me, they're a playoff team, and we'll get to that in a second, but I chose someone else for the NFC North. I I went with it. I trusted my heart. I, I kept things spicy. I chose the Detroit Lions. <laughs> to win the NFC North. I, I just, if you have to pick one team from out of nowhere every year, I think it's, it's the right thing to do is pick one team that comes from nowhere to win a division. Uh, last year, it was the Niners for me. I didn't get a lot right last year, but the Niners were that one team for me. The Lions were that team for me this year, a team that was pretty good with Matthew Stafford last year. Uh, the defense was a mess. 
I, I don't have a ton of faith that Patricia is going to fix it all together, but I think it could be better um, for sport takeaways. Certainly this year, um, be a little healthier, I think, as well. And then I think the offense is just going to be better. I think Stafford was playing at a really high level. And even if he takes a step backwards, I still think he could be a very productive quarterback with, with, with that team. I think that the official teams are very solid. I think that they are a team that is going to play an easier schedule. And I, I, to me, I think this is a division where nine wins can take it. And I could absolutely see the Lions getting to nine wins. I totally respect the big swing. I love it. It makes, uh, it, makes it more interesting. And you're right. That should be part of the exercise. I can't get there. I cannot get there with the Lions. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong. There's certainly a chance. But, uh, you know, some of the things you said, totally agree with. I mean, I thought Stafford, I thought that was like the best version of Stafford we've ever seen in the first eight games of last season. I thought he was incredible. But my hesitation to say that that's the guy we're going to get this year is that I didn't feel like they were sort of, you know, scheming things up and had this brand new offense that really fit him. I just thought he was like playing out of his mind and making sure. unbelievable throws and unbelievable plays. And he still has a very, you know, a great supporting cast. So is it out of the realm that he, you know, does that this year? No, I, you know, certainly he could get hot again. You know, if you're looking at maybe like a, a sleeper MVP, if you like the lions, I mean, a sleeper MVP candidate, he would certainly be a good option because I think he'll really have to put them uh, on his back, but uh, I can't get there with Matt Patricia, you know, maybe he'll figure things out in year three but man i look at him just what we've seen the first two years and uh, i don't like the signs anywhere you know maybe even if he figures it out schematically on defense i'm not confident that he will you know they finished 27th and 28th in dvoa the last two years they just signed a bunch of uh, patriots i think five of their 11 starters are former patriots i mean they're playing this heavy uh, heavy dose of man coverage on every down, they're rushing with three or four. Like, that's the formula he stuck to, um, sort of regardless of who the personnel was. They trade away Darius Slay. They tr- trade away Quandre Diggs. I mean, these are considered league-wide to be good players. And so that gives me such pause when you can't make it work with talented players, when players are leaving and having, que- you know, questioning sort of your uh, ability as a leader, your ability to kind of connect with the locker room, and then what he's done schematically. He's also very conservative. Um, in game and so uh, you know there's certainly a scenario where he doesn't make it through the season I think as much as there is that they get to the playoffs but man yeah you know I I think where your point is certainly valid is that if you just like gave me this roster on paper and said hey you know you get like um, a coach you're confident in it doesn't you know have to be Belichick maybe it's whoever's your like eighth or tenth favorite coach in the NFL then I would really be getting behind it. But uh, he, to me, has just proven to be such a difference maker in kind of a bad way. And again, you know, coaches figure it out sometimes. Maybe he will. But uh, I, like, just have not seen any signs of that here through two two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he's the biggest concern for me. And I I would not be shocked if he, you know, finished 5-11 and 11 and got fired. That is definitely within the realm of possibility here. I... I, I want to think that he has improved. Maybe he hasn't. I think that's, you know, certainly it seems more likely that coaches in this situation seem to take a step backwards as opposed to a step forward uh, and, and do sort of not figure it out. Maybe he will. I, I can't say, but I do think that is absolutely the biggest concern for me with this team heading into 2020 is, is the head coach and his ability to connect with his players. Um, in terms of the wild cards here, we have three wild cards. Again, a 14-team playoff this year instead of a 12-team playoff. Who are your three wildcard teams? Okay, so I've got, uh, I've got the Saints, 
at the with the number five seed. And uh, to be honest, I thought about making them the number one seed, so that tells you how confident I am uh, in these rankings. You know, they've been a very good regular season team the last two years. I have obviously the same concerns with Breeze as I would any quarterback uh, that age, but I feel like Breeze and Peyton in a shortened off season. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a good thing to bet on that their offense is going to be solid. Uh, I've got the Eagles at number six. Um, I think they have a high floor with Doug Peterson, Jim Schwartz and Carson Wentz. I think their defensive line could be really good. So uh, I, I didn't love their off season, to be honest, but if you're talking about, you know, nine wins getting in as a wild card, I think they can certainly get to that. And then uh, I'm sure a team will discuss here more. I'm curious to see if you, uh, have them in or have them out because I have read, uh, you know, what kind of the regression thoughts with them and they're certainly valid, but I've got the Seahawks getting in. I mean, there are so many reasons to say they're not going to, but mm-hmm. I just kind of boiled it down to give Russell Wilson and a top, uh, let's say 12 defense. Uh, that team to me is going to be one of the seven best in the NFC. So those are, those are my three, uh, my three wildcard teams feels weird to say, but uh, those are my three. It feels totally strange to say. I had the Saints at five as well. Again, I, I, you know, very easily could have been the one or two seeds. Um, I have them, I think, with 11 wins. I, I just, it's a little spicier to pick the Buccaneers. But I, I do think the Saints are going to be in the playoffs. Take a step backwards would still be one of the best teams in football. I mean, I guess there is a possibility they just collapse. I just don't think it's very likely. They're so deep on both sides of the football. Even if Drew Brees did, you know, have that Brett Favre final season, I think they would still be okay with Jameis and, and Taysom Hill. Um, I really think they're going to be, you know, I, I think they're, again, the ceiling maybe isn't quite as high, but a, a very good football team. Had the Niners sixth. Um, I, you know, for the reasons you said, I think a step backwards again, maybe not as many turnovers. Concerns about Garoppolo, but still a, a very deep, very talented roster. Um, biggest concern there, again, is injuries. And then I had sort of a, a three-way fight for the seventh seed between Minnesota, Philadelphia, and Seattle, and I went with Minnesota. Uh, I think that, um, you know, there there is great coaching there. There is some continuity there. Having Kubiak, I think, goes a long way. He's a great offensive coordinator. I think that running game is going to work. Uh, maybe not be as, as good as it was during the first half, but better than it was during the second half. And I, I think that there's more defensive talent there than there is on, on some of these other teams. And I think that, you know, the Eagles could absolutely make the playoffs. Of course, Carson Wentz's health is the biggest concern. Um, I don't again. I don't. I didn't love the offseason as well. We've already lost Brandon Brooks for the year. That offensive line could be a question mark. We don't know what Andre Dillard's going to do in his second season. Um, you know, I, I, it sort of felt like this is an oversimplification, but it's a podcast, so uh, hopefully that's okay. <laughs> do, you, do you know how like 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 in 2019 after uh, the double joint, Matt Nagy kind of went crazy trying to solve. The, the one problem he thought his oh, team yeah, had of and his team and other problems. It kind of felt that way with the Eagles this offseason where Howie Roseman was, was sort of saying, okay, we didn't have any speed last year after Deshaun got hurt and we need to fix our number one cornerback spot. And they fixed those two problems, but I'm not sure that the rest of the team had the same sort of care put towards it. And I think that's my concern is just, you know, they're going to be fast. Great. That, that, that could be really effective, but um you know, I'm not sure Darius Slay is a legit number one cornerback at this point. And I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. Obviously, we'll see. Um, but to me, I think that I just have a little more faith in in those two coaching staffs and those two defenses. And, um, you know, obviously some changes during the offseason for the Vikings, but I think they narrowly squeak in for me. 
Yeah, no, I think it's a great point with the Eagles. And, you know, we, we've talked about this on our, our Eagles podcast, Birds with Friends, but it, it does feel like an overcorrection. I mean, right? They were the slowest offense in the – it really looked like the slowest uh, offense in terms of team speed last year. And all of a sudden, it's like, get me the fastest guys you can uh, on this offense. And I like speed. I mean, you know, it's, this isn't a new concept. Like, since the beginning of football, I'm sure the first football coaches said, I would rather have the faster guy than the slower guy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they really went big in that direction. And then the other one was on defense was sort of um, this pos- idea of having, like, positionless defensive backs. You know, you see a little bit of, uh, I think, of it with New England, uh, maybe a little bit of it with – Baltimore, but they went like pretty heavy in that direction. You know, they, they signed Darius Slay. Um, he's obviously an outside corner. They're going to play more main coverage, but you know, then they're kind of moving Jalen Mills, a corner to safety. Um, they're, they're signing a guy like Will Parks from Denver, who's kind of that hybrid type guy. It's a lot of moving pieces for a shortened off season. And especially when you lose sort of the leader uh, on the back end in Malcolm Jenkins. And I agree with you on Slay. I mean, I'm really curious to see, how this uh, how this plays out and whether he is sort of a shutdown corner uh, for them or whether he's um, he's giving up some big plays and maybe isn't the guy he was two or three years ago. So um, I think your points are valid. Okay. Well, I feel good. I, I feel like I'm in a better place now that I didn't pick the Seahawks and the Eagles and you didn't immediately uh, hang up on the podcast. I feel a little more confident as a former Seahawks and Eagles beat writer. Um, let's hit the AFC. Uh, you said this was going to be interesting, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see your picks here. I, I will start with the number one seed. Uh, is there any reason to be surprised with who you have as the top seed in the AFC? Well, I think the top two are probably chalk, and then it, it gets interesting. So I'll just give you my uh, top two, and okay. if you have something different, uh, you can certainly tell me. Uh, I put the Ravens in the number one spot. Um, I think their offense certainly the, the, will regress a little bit. I mean, just historic numbers with the run game. But, man, I still see a top-five unit. They're so young. They've got so many young players who just should be sort of – the arrow should be pointing up for them. I believe in Greg Roman. obviously b- believe in Lamar Jackson. I think their wide receiver play should be better. So I think the offense is still going to be uh, fantastic. And then defensively, uh, I think the ceiling is really high with this group. When you add Calais Campbell – uh, when you draft Patrick Queen in the first round, you, you sign Derek Wolf as sort of a defensive tackle or rotational pass rusher. Uh, I really like their philosophy, which is just flood the field with defensive backs, five, six, seven defensive backs, play a lot of man coverage and just be, you know, uh, Wink Martindale, just be this crazy mad scientist of a blitzer who's just throwing all kinds of different looks at opposing offenses. I mean, they've got, uh, I think, enough continuity on that side of the ball that I think it's going to work. They were able to keep both those coordinators, which I, I, I did not think was going to be the case in like late December. I think John Harbaugh is one of the best uh, coaches in the NFL and certainly gives them an edge with his in-game decision-making. And um, obviously they should be motivated and hungry and uh, all those sort of intangibles, um, you know, going into this year with the way last season ended. And then, uh, you know, the second seed I have is the Chiefs. You could really, I think, have those two in any order that you want. I just decided to uh, make them second. And I, I don't know that I have like a ton of interesting things to say about the Chiefs, but uh, I'm curious to see if you've got anyone else in the top two. I do have another team. Oh, oh I like it. Yes. Yeah, so the Chiefs, I have number one. Um, I'll get to the Ravens in a little bit. I, I will talk about the Ravens in a moment because you'll see 
but I don't have the Ravens as my number two seed, obviously. So the Chiefs, number one, I think continuity is such a big thing here. Um, brought back so much of their team from a year ago, and that's not always a winning formula, but I do think in this particular offseason it makes sense. Um, I think you're getting a healthier Patrick Mahomes typically than you got last year. Uh, I, I just, you know, they're the Chiefs. They're incredible. <laughs> you know, like I think we, we've seen when the Chiefs are healthy and on their game, I don't think there's anybody in, in the league who can touch them. So to me, the Chiefs are the number one seed uh, in this very strange offseason. As the number two seed, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. A, a team wow, that I, I like it. A team that I think, uh, eight and eight last year, a team that was averaging one point per possession in the second half of 2019, a team that I think <laughs> we don't appreciate just how historically bad this offense was during the second half of the year with even a competent quarterback, a team that I think would have been a 12 and 14 or 13 and 13 last year, right up there with the Ravens. Now the defense is going to regress. They're not going to force as many takeaways as they did a year ago. That is absolutely fair to say, but I think they're going to be still really good. There's still a lot of young talent on this team. Even if you don't get a career year out of a Bud Dupree, for example, I mean, so much of this team, on defense is young and talented uh, and, and I think very productive illustrative and Hargrave, but I think overall they're going to be a very effective defense again in 2020. And then, I mean, you know, I think Ben Roethlisberger, even if he's not the guy of old, man, I sure think he's going to be better than Devlin Hodges and, and Mason Rudolph. I really do. Even if he's not a full 16 game player, um, I just think his decision-making is going to be better. I think he's going to uh, get the ball at quicker. And I think not only did Ben get hurt last year, but they lost a lot of pieces for chunks of the season. James Conner was hurt. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was hurt. Um, Vance, Vance McDonald was hurt for stretches. Um, we saw Deontay Johnson break out. He had a very impressive rookie season. James Washington was underrated last year. This team is just loaded on offense if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. And to me, I'm not projecting him to be a full 16-game starter. But and I'm not projecting him to be the Ben of, of 28 and 29, but if he can be the guy he was in 2018 when he completed, you know, 67% of his passes, threw for 320 yards per game, uh, you know, that's a really scary team on both sides of the football. So to me, I, I'm, I'll talk about the Ravens in a bit. I see a little bit of a step backwards, not a huge step backwards, but a little bit of a step backwards. And to me, that was enough to push the Steelers into the number two seed in the AFC. I, I feel so bad. I feel like a bad guest. You know, you had this big reveal it too. And I said, well, let's just go with the top two. Oh, no, you know, you it's not perfectly. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I like it. I think the Steelers, you know, if I'm making a list of like, uh, I don't know, uh, pro probably a, a list of three teams from the AFC that can make the Super Bowl, they're on that. If I'm making a list of, you know, five, six teams that could win the Super Bowl, they're on that. And I feel, I don't want to use the word high variance because, the floor, I mean, last year they go eight and eight with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. So, like, how low can the floor really be? I mean, honestly, with this team. And Mike Tomlin, it's incredible. I didn't realize this until sort of doing the research for this season, has not had a losing season in 13 years, which is like, uh, you know, what a, if, if there was going to be one, it was going to be last year. So, right. uh, I definitely, see, yeah, I definitely see the ceiling for uh, everything you said there, um, uh, specifically bullish on the defense. Um, I know they had a lot of takeaways last year, but man, that is just like TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, I feel like are two legit defensive player 
of the year candidates. Like if, if I was making a list of 10, both of those guys might be on it. Uh, Devin Bush is, is young and really could give them a boost at linebacker stepping to it. Uh, you know, he missed a bunch of time last year. So the defensive line, even with losing Hargrave um, should be back. Yeah. They pretty much bring back the entire defense. So um, my question, I guess how I would, you know, poke a hole on this or say why maybe I'm not as a um, little bit more worried about not them not reaching that upside is just a 38 year old quarterback coming off of elbow surgery. And I believe playing behind four offensive linemen who are 30 years or older. And so if you're looking at, you know, I look at their defense and feel like a lot of those guys are young and really the arrows pointing up, but I look at their offense and say, that could get a little dicey if, if oh, sure. those guys decline, if they suffer injuries, uh, any of those things, then maybe the offense won't be as good. You know, Roethlisberger certainly was great two years ago. This is a different, I think it's still a good supporting cast, but obviously there's no Antonio Brown there uh, as there was, you know, during his sort of previous uh, run there where the Steelers offense seemed to be good pretty much every year. So uh, I've got them as a, as a wildcard team. I've got them in the playoffs as the, uh, number six seed it would not shock me i think it's a good pick by you because the upside is certainly there i just feel like in terms of who what do i feel like is more likely uh i have the ravens uh, still winning the afc north mm-hmm. that's absolutely fair uh who do you have now she'll as the number three seed in the afc yeah this is this is where i think it uh it really does get fun and uh i'm going with the indianapolis Colts. okay as my as my, uh, as my three seed and the winners of the AFC South. So the case for the Colts return all five starting offensive linemen, obviously added Phillip Rivers. And I just feel like the way Frank Wright called plays last year was very out of character. It was really like, man, Andrew Luck retired two weeks ago. We've got Jacoby Brissett. I don't want to put too much on his plate. And, you know, they were, they were very conservative with their play calling offensively. They did not push the ball downfield. They were run heavy on early downs, but I don't think that's in Frank Reich's character. I don't think that's what he wants to be. If you look at it two years ago with Andrew Luck, that certainly was not the case. They were much more pass heavy when he trusted uh, his quarterback. And so I feel like their offense is going to be really good. I think they're going to rivers and Reich are really going to work well together. I think they're going to protect rivers really well. I think the run game's going to be really good. And so like, I think they certainly have a chance to be a top seven, top eight offense uh, in the NFL defensively I definitely have question marks specifically with their secondary but uh, I kind of look at it that DeForest Buckner will give them a boost and you know maybe they're mediocre on defense but really good on offense that that could be enough they have the the easiest schedule in the NFL if you look at projected win totals by Vegas so it's a lot easier than it was last year and so uh, when I was looking at who I wanted to kind of fit into this number three seed that's who I went with yeah I mean I absolutely have them as a playoff team. They're my, they're my fourth seed in the AFC. I have them winning the South as well. Um, I agree on the offense. I, I am someone who still thinks Philip Rivers can be an above average or even very good quarterback. Let me ask you though, Shield, in terms of this team's ceiling, I mean, do you think there's any scenario where they click and they end up with a top two seed in the AFC? I think there's a chance. I don't, it's tough for me to really say they have a Super Bowl ceiling. I, I don't think the roster is is good enough to be, you know, if they were to make it instead of the Chiefs and the Ravens, you know, barring like a Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes injury, that would shock me, I would say. But in terms of the regular season, a team that really clicks and feasts and they've got a lot of continuity on both sides of the ball, obviously, other than 
uh, quarterback. And if they were able to like feast on that schedule and, you know, win uh, 12 games and win like a tie break over, you know, the other two teams. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's in the sort of range of outcomes for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think if you believe in rivers, which I, I do. And I think if you believe that there's, you know, a young talent on this defense, which I think there is, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I think it's tough to imagine, but, I think it could happen if they get health at the right places and Rivers is the guy who I think we were maybe hoping for behind this offensive line. Um, I, I could see a scenario where they collapse. I mean, again, very unimposing secondary, I think it's fair to say. An offensive line that was healthy all of last year. Um, that's going to be tough to keep up. If Rivers does struggle, then it is, you know, the the guy who we saw struggling in the second half of last year. This team could fall apart, but I do think that this is a team that I feel pretty confident is a nine and seven team. And to me, that's enough to possibly come away with a, a AFC East crown. So you have the Colts as your three. I have the Colts as my four. I will say in, in the three seed then. So we're picking an AFC East champion here. I'm not sure if we're on the same page, but I will, I, I will say that I'm picking the new England Patriots to win the AFC East for the 107th time in the last 20 years. And that's because they have, uh, they have Cam Newton. And I feel like if it was not Cam, I would not be picking them. I would be picking the Bills, who have a much better roster top to bottom. But I think the Patriots have the upside of a possible number one quarterback. I'm not sure that the Bills have one. I'm sorry, Bills fans. If I'm wrong, you will have every opportunity to tell me I was wrong because I'm not saying. I think Josh Allen <laughs> is, a, is a, you know, a guy who can have an NFL job. I don't think that is the issue. But I think that he is uh, – I'm worried about his ability to take that next step forward. and. The defense is definitely a question. I mean, obviously, whether it was the same 11 guys or not, their interception rate was going to regress. They had a crazy takeaway rate last year that was never going to happen again in a million years. Um, I think that the way the defense played last year was catching lightning in a bottle. It's not going to be the same again this year. But I do think that they have the smartest person in the league taking care of this defense. I think they still have a ton of talent in the secondary. And we've seen Bill Belichick figure it out and, and you know I, I feel like he has enough pieces up front not 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 the you know said Dante Hightower that's a huge loss doesn't have the guys who left almost entirely all for the Lions and free agency but there are enough pieces here that I think he's going to be able to put together a competent pass rush with a very good secondary and I think they're going to change their formula they're going to be more run heavy they're going to shorten games but I do think this can be a, a nine or 10 win football team. And to me, I think that's going to win the AFC East. This is one of those where I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give my take and it's probably, you know, sometimes you, you throw something out there and you're like, gosh, this is going to burn me in, uh, in a few <laughs> months. But uh, I, I disagree with you. I've got the bills. I've got the bills okay. in the uh, number four spot, but I guess first let me talk about the, the Patriots. Cause I have the Patriots missing the playoffs. I don't have them. Uh, in the postseason, man. I know I have brave, stupid. You know you can use whatever uh, whatever adjective uh, you like there. So, but here here's my case. I mean, I feel like uh, if this were the Cam Newton of 2015, or you know maybe even uh, a few years ago, that would be fine. But I just feel like this is a really tough spot for him. I mean, 31 years old, uh, coming off a pair of shoulder surgeries and a foot injury, and so if it's just going to be him playing quarterback and throw in the football then you know maybe you can talk me into that but I'm having a hard time believing that um, you know the theory that Josh McDaniels and 
Bill Belichick have been waiting for uh, sort of a mobile quarterback to use these run-heavy schemes, and he's going to be that guy at 31 years old, and they're going to implement all this in a shortened offseason with, you know, having lost their right tackle and their offensive line coach. I mean, those are a lot of things have to go right Mm -hmm. for um, that to succeed. And then I just look at it, Cam Newton as a passer, I feel like he's he's in bad position to succeed. You know, I don't like this supporting cast at all. I mean, Julian Edelman, 34 years old, you got to figure he's going to, he's going to decline here at some point. Nikhil Harry, could he get better? Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. We see wide receivers get taken in the first round uh, at the end of the first round all the time and it doesn't happen for him. And so that could be the case just as much as it is that he improves. And, you know, Mohamed Sanu, uh, I liked him uh, certainly with the Falcons, but uh, you know, maybe he's, uh, he's like a solid number two, but that's still not a lot to work with. It's not like they made giant upgrades at uh, tight end. They drafted a couple guys, but that's like a notoriously tough position to come in as a rookie and have a real impact. Um, so uh, I'm just not convinced that their offense is going to be anything better than uh, sort of mediocre at best. Uh, I guess it has a higher ceiling than that if things go right, but I don't see it. And then defensively, I mean, you mentioned everything. They had the easiest slate of opposing offenses last year. They had the best injury luck. Uh, of any defense in the NFL last year. And they lost six players who played 400 or more snaps uh, Mm -hmm. last year. So I still think the defense can be really good. The secondary is still intact. Uh, I think it's, you know, certainly could be a top 10 defense, but I don't think it's a defense that's going to be good enough to sort of carry them to uh, an AFC East title. If the offense is just mediocre. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging my hat on the bills and Josh Allen, let's go. <laughs> return. Uh, I don't know if I said that convincingly or not, but uh, I really do like this roster. I mean, returning all five offensive linemen. I love Devin Singletary. I love Stefan Diggs. I think John Brown's one of the most underrated wide receivers uh, in the league. And so uh, I think they made smart decisions. Like this is it. You know, you, you see what you got. If Josh Allen can give you, a top 10, a top 12 offense this year, you feel good about it. If you can't, you know what? You got to you gotta reconsider it and look at other options because the rest of this roster is really good. I mean, yeah. the defense, they had some turnover up front, but they could be better. I mean, I like the players they added. Quentin Jefferson, an underrated signing. Ed Oliver should be better uh, in his second season. Uh, Tredavious White decides to uh, come back. So they have a question at the one cornerback spot, but their safeties are good. Uh, their linebackers are young and should be better. Uh, I really like the coaching staff all the way around. And so I just looked at it and I felt like they kind of have more margin for error where if one or two of their things doesn't go right, they still have sort of a high floor where I feel like, um, you know, with the Patriots, I think the floor of that offense, it really could be, you know, one of the worst five or six offenses in the NFL if, uh, if things um, fall a certain way. So that was my reasoning for going with the Bills at four and uh, the Patriots out of the postseason. So let me ask you, Sheil. Week 16, December 28th, Monday night football. Oh, God. The Buffalo Bills are traveling <laughs> to New England to play the New England Patriots in a game that could decide the AFC, North, AFC East title. I said the AFC North title. How confident do you feel in backing Josh Allen versus uh, Bill Belichick on the road with the division on the line? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I wish you hadn't brought that up. I, I wish we could have saved that for uh, a December podcast or something. But, you, you know, the one thing I will say is I like, um, I like the Bills coaching staff. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know their, their playoff game wasn't uh, 
that was not a, a great performance by Allen or the coaching staff, but I do feel like they go in, you know, they can sort of match wits in sort of a one game situation mm-hmm. with some of the smart coaches in the NFL. So I don't know. I'm just saying anything to uh, convince myself right now. I mean, to be fair, I have the Bills as a playoff team as well. I have them as the six. Okay. I, you know, uh, it wouldn't shock me if they had the same record as the Patriots and the Patriots won in the tiebreaker. I think they're very close, but I think that it, honestly, Jared Stidham has a hip injury which sort of pushes the competition towards Cam um, that came out today. So I'm even more inclined to lean towards the Patriots if I feel more confident that they're actually going to play Cam as opposed to Jared Stidham. But we covered the division winners in the AFC. Who do you have as your wildcard teams coming out of the conference? Uh, so the first, uh, I had the, uh, the Steelers as my sixth seed, which we, we went over earlier. Yep. Uh, in, the, in the five spot is a team I've probably – flip-flopped on like 400 times over the past uh, six, seven months. And, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Um, when last season ended, I felt pretty strongly that they, you know, that there was some flukiness there and that they were not going to return. Uh, but the more I looked at it and looked at sort of the landscape of the conference, um, I think Ryan Tannehill absolutely will regress, but um, will he regress to a point where he's like the 25th best quarterback or will he regress to a point where he's like the, uh, 11th best quarterback. I'm banking on it being um, sort of the 11th best quarterback. And so I think that would be uh, okay there. Uh, defensively, no Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, doesn't come back. That concerns me. And it's really not the most talented group. I mean, I, I'm really, I'm kind of making this pick, banking on them being the team to sign to Devion Clowney. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would make a lot of sense for them. Add him to Jeffrey Simmons. And now uh, you, you certainly have something. But I think the thing that put me over the top was, uh, I really like Arthur Smith. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like if he was uh, their offensive coordinator, their play caller, I feel like if he was off like the Sean McVay tree or in a bigger market or had a higher profile or, you know, I don't know if it's working the media game or, you know, how these coaches mm-hmm. get their jobs. But uh, I was just, I just, it was like every week I watched the Titans last year, they were scheming up some explosive play where some guy was just like totally wide open or something really creative in the red zone. I know they're going to have regression there, but uh, I just thought he did a great job of maximizing the talent of the players he had on offense. And so ultimately um, that was the big thing that made me pick the Titans uh, to to make it as the five seed. And then I guess this is my biggest swing uh, in either conference. And I'm probably going to regret picking this team over a Bill Belichick coach team for sure. But uh, let's go with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going with the Raiders to sneak in as the seventh seed. I think their offense has a chance to be really good. It was pretty good last year, a top Mm -hmm. 10 offense in DVOA, return all five starting offensive linemen. I think Derek Carr is surrounded by a lot of talent there with Ruggs, with Darren Waller, with Tyrell Williams, with Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. I mean, he is, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about with Josh Allen. I mean, he is really positioned to succeed on offense and defensively I don't think they're going to be great they were so terrible last year but uh they definitely added some talent I like Corey Littleton um Malik Collins a uh, defensive lineman so they added like competent football players where maybe they can get to around um the 20th or you know 23rd best defense something like that and so if the offense is good if the defense is better I think they have a chance for uh nine wins and my nightmare scenario is that you know, it's like three weeks into the season. They're one and two. John Gruden gets impatient. He throws Marcus Mariota in there. Uh, it turns into a complete disaster. I'm hating myself for making this pick on your podcast in August. 
and away we go with the 2020 NFL season. <laughs> Let me ask you, I want to I talk about both those teams. In terms of the Raiders, if they do make it to the playoffs, do you think it's more likely that Carr has played all 16 games or they've made a change and Gruden has unlocked something out of Mariota that we haven't seen before? I strongly believe it would be Carr. I, I am not a big uh, Mariota guy. You know, I, I don't want to completely give up on him because he is still young, but it's just like the stuff that I feel like Gruden would hate from a quarterback are things that Mariota does. I mean, he takes so many sacks and, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle other than like, you know, making plays sort of outside the structure of the offense and improvising, which I don't know if like Gruden would even like that or not. Uh, to be honest, I think the much higher percentage play for them to reach their potential is to, um, you know, encourage Derek Carr to be more aggressive, throw the ball downfield, and, uh, you know, kind of have a version of last year's efficient offense with more explosive plays rather than making a big change and uh, unlocking something with Mariota. Yeah, I think that's my concern with this offense is just, you know, I look at, at Derek Carr and what he wants to do, what he's done best historically is get the ball out quick, put the ball in the right place, make an accurate pass and move on. And his top two wide receivers this year are Tyrell Williams and Henry Ruggs, who are talented players, but two guys who are going to be downfield weapons in the right offense. And so I just worry that there's a mismatch there uh, of talent at receiver and talent at quarterback. And obviously he has Darren Waller, who's awesome. Um, you know, I, I just don't love this team. I mean, I just don't see the, the talent on defense <laughs> to get there. I, I, I don't see – I the offensive line, I think, is a really good point. I think we're underestimating how good the offensive line is. Um, but I, I think we're – you know, I, I just don't see the defensive talent to get there. And I think if you're saying, okay, maybe they get to 23, like is the offense going to be so good that they can drag a 23rd-ranked team to the postseason? It's not out of the question. But this is a team that, that was lucky to be 7-9 and nine a year ago. 5.3 expected wins, 6-3 and three record in one-score games. Um, a, you know, a, a team I think John Gruden coaxed a lot out of this offense, more than I think anyone kind of realizes when you look at Derek Carr's numbers. But uh, I, I think it's they probably a pretty similar team to what they were a year ago to me, but I think a young team. And I think a team that could absolutely take a step forward. I, I'm certainly not saying that I'm the right person here, but Tennessee, I think is really interesting because uh, my question for you about this shield is, is there any way that Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry are better this year than they were a year ago? No, I mean, Tannehill, it's it, the stat I like the most going back to last year is that, two quarterbacks in NFL history have completed 70% of their passes and averaged nine yards per attempt, Ryan Tannehill and Joe Montana. And so like that pretty much tells me that he's not going to be as good as he was last year. And so it's like a fair point. I mean, they were not a great team last year. Like I'm you, a lot of people and myself probably included are skewed by what they did in the, uh, in the postseason. And so, um, but, but then I guess the other part of that is that Tannehill didn't play the entire season, you know, how many, again, but again, that could be the case this year and their backup uh, quarterback situation. They signed Trevor Simeon, but it's not great They're They're pretty much going to be screwed if he suffers an injury. So um, yeah, I mean, I see them being similar to last year uh, in a lot of areas. So uh, I, I don't know, maybe I really need that clowny signing to feel, feel good about this one. Do you have them out of the postseason? I do have them out of the postseason. I, I think they're, okay. close. I think they're an eight win team to me. I think adding Clowney would help a lot, especially if Vic Beasley is not playing this year, which I think is, I don't know what's happening there. Maybe Vic Beasley is going to play. Um, it certainly seems like it's in question at this point, 
I think losing Logan Ryan hurt them, um, part, partly for leadership as opposed to uh, his talent as well in his production from a year ago. They, they sort of salary dumped uh, Jarrell Casey uh, on that defense as well. And you hope Jeffrey Simmons is going to be a productive player, but Jarrell Casey is still a really talented football player. Um, so, yeah, to me, I, I think they're an eight-win team. I just I, I can't see Tannehill and Henry being better and more productive than they were a year ago. Um, I mentioned I have Baltimore here. I have Baltimore as my five seed. I, I think they take a small step backwards. I, I, again, like how is Lamar Jackson going to be better than he was a year ago when he was the best player in football? I think he's still going to be very good. I don't think there's like a fraud thing here. I'm not trying to make a hot take about Lamar Jackson. It's just, it's tough to be <laughs> the MVP year after. Yeah. Look at Patrick Mahomes. There would have been no reasons to say Patrick Mahomes was going to decline last year, but he got hurt, missed a couple of games. Um, a couple other games where he wasn't banged up and wasn't his usual self. I think Lamar is a genius when it comes to avoiding hits, but he's still going to get hit more than just about anybody. And there's a chance that one of those hits keeps him out for a couple of weeks. Um, I, I think the defense is going to be very good, but I look at someone like Marcus Peters, like Marcus Peters was a guy who was barely playable with the Rams and became an all pro with the Ravens. There's probably some middle ground there. Earl Thomas. I mean, a guy who struggled with injuries, played a full 16 game season last year. Um, I think the blitzes are going to be good. Maybe they don't get home quite as frequently as they did a year ago. And I think that offense has a lot of promise. I think it's still going to be very good, but I'm a little concerned about the offensive line. You lose Marshall Yonder to retirement. That is a really big injury for them. Um, I think people don't realize how good Marshall Yonder was even at the end of his career. And I think they're, they're a very good team in terms of developing interior offensive linemen, and they will find someone who, you know, whether it's uh, Bradley Bozeman, whether it's Ben Powers, whether it's uh, Tyre Phillips, whether it's Ben Bredesen, like they'll, they'll have two effective guards, but they're just not going to have that guy who has a dozen years of experience at an all-pro level uh, in Marshall Yonda. So I think the offensive line may not be quite as effective as it was a year ago. Again, I think a very, very good team still, but to me, I think, you know, 11 and five as opposed to 14 and two. And to me, that's just on the edges of, of losing the AFC North to the Steelers. So um, I have them as my five seed. I have the, I lost my Excel sheet here. I have the Bills as my six seed. Again, I think there's the, the reasons you brought up make total sense. A, a super talented team. I'm concerned about Josh Allen. Um, I don't, and no reasons to think that they're going to take a, a major step backwards. Um, just a, a very solid team. Uh, Tennessee, by the way, also I wanted to mention, uh, one of the healthiest teams in football as well a year ago, uh, which is another concern for them when I have them out. As my seventh seed, a team you did not mention, and a team that I have been fooled by in the past, and maybe I'll be fooled by again this year, I have the Cleveland Browns as my seventh and final seed in the AFC. So three AFC North teams. I, I think a team that may be similar to what I mentioned with the Eagles, where they had a problem and they focused their offseason on fixing that problem in terms of the offensive line, especially the tackles, by adding Jedrick Wills, by signing Jack Conklin. You can't necessarily count on those guys to be healthy. There's concerns about health all throughout the roster. Uh, Nick Chubb already is dealing with concussions. Uh, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are not guaranteed to be 100%. Jarvis is coming up with hip surgery. Odell Beckham has an injury history over the past few years. He might just might not be the guy he was a couple of years ago. Um, you're adding Kevin Stefanski, who I think is a, a very promising coach, but a guy who you know didn't get much time with this team, who overturned your coordinators. You, have, you don't have that continuity on the offensive line with the coaching staff that I think has been so valuable and so important with other teams this offseason. But I'm just betting on the talent here. Like, I, I, 
you know, there's not that sort of red flag there was a year ago at the offensive line. I think this team is super talented. I think they were better than their record a year ago. I think that in watching that offense play and studying Baker for um, the, the piece I did on him, that offense was a disaster last year in terms of just guys not doing the right things, in terms of guys playing sloppy football. I think they're going to be better coached this year, even if it's not maybe as, it, as good as it would be during a typical offseason. And I think getting Miles Garrett back for more than 10 games is a difference maker. Miles Garrett is – Mina and I had a very similar moment to uh, your moment with me where we picked the same two teams for the NFC uh, top two seeds. We both picked Miles Garrett as Defensive Player of the Year because it's kind of a little spicy, but also – it is a, 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 a guy who was playing at a super high level before he got suspended, a guy who's been played at a super high level his entire career to this point. So I think they could be better on defense than people maybe are thinking, and I think the offense could be pretty good. So to me, I think they're a 9-7 a and seven team, and to me, that is the final seed here in the AFC. I think it's a good pick. They were, you know, I have this sort of short list of like three or four teams as I was preparing for this, and they were on – they were right there, and so I think they're definitely going to certain go going to be in the mix. Like you mentioned, I mean, I, I sort of look at theirs with you know I, I don't look at theirs as much as an overcorrection. It was like this was a glaring issue last year, and they addressed it. I don't know why I feel differently about them, but uh, with their tackle situation, it was so bad. Like it was smart that they went uh, the route that they did. They they have so much turnover on uh, on defense, but that certainly could be a good thing. And what you said about Garrett cannot be overstated you know I did these team previews and was just looking up at like their looking up their um, pass defense in terms of EPA Mm -hmm. Uh, with Garrett they were the 12th ranked pass defense in the NFL last year uh, through the first 11 weeks and they completely fell apart in weeks 12 to 17 they were 27th in the NFL and so like I mean that that uh, I know we shouldn't it's a small sample and uh, you know you shouldn't always Go by those numbers, but man, when a guy leaves the field and all of a sudden the defense falls apart, uh, I think that certainly tells you something. And their turnover on defense could certainly be a good thing because they didn't have a great uh, a great defense by any means last year. I think they've got uh, a pretty easy schedule in terms of projected win totals by Vegas. So uh, I don't think that it's uh, it's crazy at all. I mean, I think the big thing is can Baker Mayfield um, sort of cut down on his negative plays from a year ago, but. Um, if we're looking at the teams with new coaches and which one could sort of make the biggest leap from the head coach they had last year to the head coach they had this year, I mean, I, I'm not saying Kevin Stefanski is the second coming, but certainly there's a chance that the Browns are that team where we say, wow, they do look just so, so different than they did a year ago. They look more competent. Guys know what they're doing. There's more stability. It's not a circus, all those different types of things. And so um, I'm probably, you know, I was bullish on the Browns going into last season. And so that's probably weighing uh, incorrectly (laughs) on my mind as to why I didn't pick them. But uh, I think that's a completely reasonable pick. Okay. So Shilkapadia, we're going to finish with this. How, your final prediction, how many playoff teams do you think you have actually named among your 14 when we get to the end of the season? How many playoff teams do you think you will accurately predict uh, today for the end of the year? Oh my gosh, I like this. I know this is going to get brought up at the end of the season when I'm on with you in like January or something. So let me count here. I feel good about that. I feel good about that. I think I can Please say 14. No, no. I think if you, I think you know me well enough to know that I would never be uh, that confident 
in any of my uh, prognostications. I was going to say I feel like I could hit, I don't know, 10 is probably weak. So why don't I go strong and say 11? Okay. I feel like I can hit 11. I was going to say nine for me. So I'll, I'll go 10. Okay. You, you, you bullied me into doing a higher number. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think with 14 teams, obviously, uh, you know, you add those two extra teams. There are there's a little more variance there. Obviously, it's some could come out of nowhere and win that seventh seed. But yeah, you know, I, I I think if you can get 11, I would be very impressed. And I think you are someone who uh, has has deserves a level of respect. Where if it, it, it would not shock me at all if you got 11 teams out of the, the 14 teams here, because you are one of the best in the business, and people need to read you on a daily basis, even if you haven't read anything. They need to find something you've written in the past, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, Shield, where can people check out all the work you do? Well, th- well, thanks for that. Uh, I, I don't feel quite as confident as you do in me, but that's nice. You're like a, you're like a parent kind of talking up their child and uh, instilling a sense of belief. So that's very nice of you. Uh, you can read me on The Athletic, on the uh, NFL page or my author page. And if you are uh, Eagles fans out there, you can listen to our podcast, Birds with Friends, with me, Bo Wolf. And, uh, and Zach Berman. So uh, th- thank you, Bill, for having me on. But I, I would say that I think, I, I said this before, I'll say it again, you're one of the best in the business. People need to be reading you every single day. Appreciate that, as always, from your time uh, supporting me during my blogging days at uh, philly.com with Moving the Chains to now, Bill. I always uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I always obviously read your work and uh, am influenced by it and appreciate you having me on. All right, as always, thanks so much to one of my favorite guests, the Athletic Shil Kapadia. We're coming back with another show. We are very close to the NFL season. I believe we have two Thursdays left without football before the Chiefs play on September 10th. Very excited for the season, hoping that everyone is staying healthy, hoping that everyone is doing well. And we'll be back with more audio previewing the season next week. So thanks so much for listening.